Hello. In the last episode, we began by talking about Kurt's early life, how Nirvana came to be, and when we met the infamous Courtney Love. Today, we will talk about what happened on those last few days of Kurt's life. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. We are accepting of anyone who wants to listen to this episode and start a conversation with us about it. So, come as you are. make of this album? Well, we took some copies to a college campus in New York City and asked some students for critical feedback. Here's the verdict. Are you a fan of Nirvana? Sure. Yes, I am. What do you like about them? Just the, the way that they're not uh, into what everybody else is into. You know, they just sort of do their own thing. I ain't respect that on anybody. I just wanted to add some excitement in my life. And I'd never met anyone so outspoken and charismatic. And it just seems like she is a magnet for exciting things to happen. Like if I just happened to be walking down the street with her, someone would try to attack us with a knife or something for no reason, just because she seems like that kind of a person that just attracts things like that. Hey guys, it's Lena. And it's Kylie. And it's part two of the Tupata. <laughs> you made it to part two. Congrats. Welcome. <laughs> Even the robot came. <laughs> Does our robot have a name? I don't know. We need we need to name our robot. You guys can help us name our robot. Yeah, name our robot. Don't name it Courtney Love. No, don't even great. joke about it. It's not funny. It is me. So like, wait, wait, wait. The robot's you. Maybe. What the fuck? I thought we hired a robot to come in and do that intro both times. <laughs> what we didn't fuck? hire a robot. No. Oh shit! This is this ain't a, this ain't no I robot. <laughs> Y'all got me fucked up. That's what I thought about when you were like, um, when your mic was turned the wrong way and you said turn. I thought of in the <laughs> when she goes to his house at first and she's like, on, resume. I couldn't figure out how to turn my mic. <laughs> you would think I would know how at this point. We're like thirty episodes deep. Nah, I don't know shit. I just write outlines not even very good i mean you you know a lot of shit about writing outlines i i have written a a little doodle of an outline or two (laughs) where we left off guys in episode one if you're starting here right now i don't know what you're doing with your life go back to episode one take a listen (laughs) part one but uh, how many parts are there it's a two pot So where we left our off in part one was Courtney had flown to Kurt in Rome because he, you know, was feeling sick. You know, he had a little, little bug in his throat. Um, He overdosed and wound up in the hospital on March 3rd. It was because of a combination of Rohypnol and alcohol that ended up in him having to go to the hospital and get his stomach bumped. We then discussed how Courtney's reasoning of why Kurt did this was because she thought that he was cheating, but she thought that he he was cheating with, you know, her basis, but also that he thought that she would have cheated on him and it was just a big fucking clusterfuck. Then we jumped to March 18th, 
where the wellness check took place and all the guns were taken from his home. Courtney then called both of these uh, different attempts of suicide and said that he was being really suicidal. She called for the intervention. A bunch of people came. And on March 25th, it took place. Kurt agreed that day he was going to enter rehab, but not before purchasing the shotgun, which he stored as a secret in his home. No one knew where it was. So let's resume. Resume. (laughs) Resuming now. (laughs) Kurt ended up leaving the gun in his home because remember his friend did say like, yo, if you want to leave it, I can leave it. And Kurt's like, nah, man, I got this shit. It's fine. I got it on lock. So he then checked himself into the Exodus Recovery Center in Los Angeles on March 30th, 1994. Good year. Good year. Staff members were unaware of Cobain's history of depression and suicide attempts or, you know, alleged suicide attempts, we should say. And they commented that he actually looked really happy. There was an interview that happened really shortly before he went into the rehab center. It was from like a Rolling Stones interview. And uh, Kylie, would you rather be the interviewer or Kurt? I'll be the interviewer. I will uh, be the one and only Kurt. The one and only. Big shoes to fill there. Big shoes. Yeah, a little bit. I think size 11 and a half. <laughs> i'm okay. kidding i don't know i'm not that weird <laughs> you are that weird i'm wearing a nirvana hoodie just to record you guys i would not be surprised one bit <laughs> if you knew exactly how big this man's feet was <laughs> uh, you know i'm weird but all right guys so here is the interview i'm really thankful for a lot of things my family my child And every month I come to more optimistic conclusions. Do you find that you're getting happier in general? Yeah, I I hope I don't become so blissful that I I lose. Become boring? Well, yeah, I, I become boring or I lose my edge or whatever it is, you know. And who who knows? I don't have any new songs right now. I'm just starting from scratch for the first time. Tabula rasa. That will be interesting. Yeah. Is there a little fear of the unknown? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so that that's the end of it. That's all I wanted to talk about <laughs> because then they move on to other shit. But like, even just that, he's saying he's coming to optimistic conclusions. He said he's getting happy. It is kind of sad when he says that, like, this is speculation, by the way. We're like talking about how we feel about this. But like, it's kind of sad that he's like, yeah, I'm happy. But like, I hope I don't become too happy that I like, lose my happiness like do you see what i'm saying yeah that's like kind of a sad sentence where he's like oh i i don't want to become so happy that like i lose the only thing that's like making me me which is so fucking sad to say i mean like i feel like everyone is in a sense that way like when it's you're very super relatable happy you're really scared to like lose it all because mm-hmm. you're so happy like it'll hurt a lot more than if you're just like meh I'm okay. Yeah, like even in relationships, the happier you're getting, you're like, oh, shit, if something goes wrong, this is going to go bad. Yes. So, but it did, it it overall seemed like Kurt was doing a lot better and actually making strides like like, uh, improvements. On March 31st, so technically he like went in on the 30th, so this would have been the next day. Francis had came to visit him. Francis is his daughter, remember? And he played with her and everything just seemed normal. This would be the last time Kurt saw his daughter. Sad face. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just I yawned. I'm not even gonna lie, I yawned, and then I started to cry a little bit because every time I yawn, I do cry a little bit. No, nah, she's crying because Kurt so, saw his daughter for the last time. And so I was thinking of the crying face when I was crying, and then I had to say sad face. So that day that Francis came, Courtney made 13 calls to Kurt, and all of them went unanswered. Later, Courtney will be like, no, I only made one phone call. No, no. But phone records show 13. And also (laughs) some of those calls weren't like there weren't cell phones really back then. Like she was calling the rehab center. You guys like people were answering the phone and she's like, can I talk to Kurt? (laughs) Now, I don't think this is true. But in one of the like the documentary that Tom Grant made, uh, the Soaked in Bleach one, she used fake names because at some point they're like, Courtney, stop calling. And she's like, this is his friend who's friends with a lawyer. <laughs> like she's trying to like play it off like it's not her. Gross. But, but Courtney has a very distinct voice. So it's like, no, those Just didn't work. Yeah, that was stupid. You look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> when doesn't she? <laughs> um, but Kurt actually checked himself out the day after entering the rehab center. While this was happening, let's flip to what Courtney's doing. Courtney didn't stick around in town to figure out that Court checked himself out because she actually went to California and she said it was a tough love method she was doing by like leaving him there and her going and doing her own detoxing. She went to the Peninsula Hotel to try and get clean. That's really awesome, isn't it? Like, I'm so proud of her. She's doing the right. No, (laughs) no, just wait. Mm, nah, Courtney Sylvie's shit, y'all. <laughs> the following night after seeing Francis, Kurt had walked outside to have a cigarette and he ended up climbing over the six foot high fence and just left the facility. Earlier in the day, he made a joke that that would be like a stupid feat for someone to do. And then he's like, well, let's see if it can be done. And he just did it. <laughs> and he just did it. He ended up taking a taxi to LAX and he boarded a flight number 788 to Delta with Delta. Sorry. And he flew back to Seattle. Funny story about this. On the flight, he sat near Duff McKagan. That's the basis of Guns N' Roses. Now, Kurt was not a fan of Guns N' Roses. And they had a rivalry with Guns N' Roses. And the reason why they had a rivalry is because Kurt would use Guns N' Roses as like the enemy band of his band. Like (laughs) how like NSYNC has Backstreet Boys, Christina had Britney. Mm -hmm. He like made Nirvana and Guns N' Roses have this feud. They did not have this feud on their own. He created it. They were both really popular on the billboards at the time. So Kurt would make comments like, we're not your typical Guns N' Roses type bands with absolutely nothing to say. Like he would like say stuff like that, which is funny because he also was like, our lyrics mean nothing. We have nothing to say. Right. Oh, but we have more to say than Guns N' Roses. Right. (laughs) And like if you watch some of his home videos, sometimes he'll like be doing something and he'll be like, oh, that's a shitty lyric. No, let's not use that in the final cut. Sounds like something Guns N' Roses would say. (laughs) Like he just love to pick fun at them so it was really funny that of course he gets on a flight and he sits right next to the guy in the band out of all of the people in this world in the this whole is the world. one guy <laughs> <laughs> so it's it seems kind of funny but kurt ended up actually talking with duff and they seemed like really happy to see each other but duff later did recall this interaction and he said something seemed off but he couldn't figure out what it was oh maybe because he just like climbed over a six foot fence <laughs> to get out of rehab right <laughs> well maybe and, something a little off and because he's like probably frazzled in general yeah. and 
you're coming to find out he's doing this. So I'll just say it right now. He I left it at the end for like speculation, but where he was, he knew where Courtney was. He knew that she was at the hotel. He knew she was only 10 miles away from him. And he didn't go visit her when he left rehab. He instead was like, I'm going to go all the way back to Seattle. Which that's odd because you would think, why wouldn't he go see her? But if maybe he's trying to, mm, I don't know, get away from her. Yeah, mm-hmm. he probably is on edge because he's like, fuck, she might find out. She might find out that I checked out. She might try coming after me. Something. So, yeah, man's probably a little uh, nervy. I wonder if they like talked. Talk, talked. Yeah, in rehab. Oh, that you know, too. Like maybe he told stories and stuff. She actually like got through to him one time and we'll never know what it said. Well, as of now, well, still like none of the people that work there said that like any of the calls went answered that day. Hmm. So uh, I doubt it. Probably not. Yeah. Especially because I also would imagine Kurt was probably annoyed with her because she's the reason he's in rehab and he obviously didn't want to be there if he checked himself out the next day. And then she's just sitting there calling constantly. And meanwhile, she's in a hotel with a person that I'll mention in a minute. And he knows this. Mm. Okay, so we've kind of jumped around a little bit because we're giving you guys our speculations already. This is a speculation episode. Just keep in mind, we're going to give opinions at the end, but and you can give us your opinions. But let's jump back into the story. So when Kurt had escaped to the facility, I say escaped. He kind of like he did tell them he was going to check himself like, out. I'm leaving. And but then he kind of did it like bounced out. Yeah. Yeah. So most of his family or like really close friends didn't know that he was missing yet because he obviously wasn't like, hey, guys, uh, uh, I just bounced. But like he wasn't keeping it a secret either. Like when Duff's like, oh, what you doing? He's like, eh, I just left. <laughs> so like it wasn't a secret, but he wasn't shouting up from the roofs. So no one knew anything was wrong. But on the night of the second, a man named Callie DeWitt, he is going to come into the story a lot. I think his real name is Michael. I later put it in here, but I accidentally forgot to put it up here. People call him Callie. Callie DeWitt was living in Kurt Cobain's home at the time. And his girlfriend lived with him. So they lived in Kurt's home. Remember that. Phone records show that Callie and Courtney spoke on the phone eight times on the night of the second. And Kurt ended up going home and supposedly saw Callie that night. But Callie didn't tell Courtney that Kurt was home. Even though Courtney was looking for him, like trying to call him all day. So just, you know, isn't that a little odd? So the next day is when Courtney makes a big drastic move. But keep in mind, Callie knew where Kurt was and Kurt Kurt talked to Callie. Callie knew. Callie didn't tell Courtney. A lot of names. That's why I'm repeating it like twice. A lot of K-sounding names. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) During those next two days, numerous people saw Kurt out and about in Seattle. So, like, people knew he was in Seattle. Now, on April 3rd, so that would have been the next day, Courtney... It's my dad's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) On April 3rd, Courtney all of a sudden finally realized he's missing... And she hired a private investigator named Tom Grant, who had a really good reputation as a PI, to try and find Kurt. Now, on April 2nd, I know I'm repeating this one more time, but on April 2nd, (laughs) Callie saw Kurt. Callie and Courtney talked. And on April 3rd, Courtney still had no idea where Kurt is, so she called and hired a PI 
wouldn't Callie mm, devil's advocate? Wouldn't Cal? Okay, all right. I'm just moving on. I don't even want it. <laughs> so Courtney said she was concerned about Kurt's mental state because he's super suicidal, and she told everyone he has a shotgun. So she knew. Courtney said that she canceled all the credit cards and reported them stolen. But then other later reports say Kurt was the one that canceled the credit card so that Courtney couldn't find him. That's interesting. Also, he didn't go and visit her 10 miles away. And now we don't know who canceled the cards. But then she also later told the PI, no, she canceled it. Like it was her. Like she again was like, no, 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 it's me. So it's a, it's a he said, she said game. But I will say I wouldn't put 100% stock in Courtney's words because at this time she was severely strung out and she would go back and forth on every single thing she said. So when Courtney had hired uh, Tom Grant, the PI, she told him the first time they met to come to her hotel and meet her there. And when he showed up, she was like three-fourths naked in lingerie. And she's like, come on in. I'll uh, tell you everything. (laughs) Fucking weird. Okay. So she started telling him Kurt was suicidal and that's why he needs to be found. She also told him all of Kurt's aliases so that he could try and find Kurt. On April 4th, the credit card company actually called Courtney and said, hey, you know how like you canceled everything? Well, uh, did you know that two plane tickets were purchased using the credit card? And she's like, what the fuck? Like what? Two plane tickets? Not one, two? Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Two plane tickets. She's like, where are they to? Where are they from? And they're like, yeah, no, we can't tell you that. We can tell you the price, but that's it. So this made Courtney nervous. She's like, is he going somewhere with someone? That meant in her mind that Kurt was going to leave her for someone because Kurt, Kurt was, you know, taking his new mistress somewhere. Right. So her plan was to plant a fake story in the news that she overdosed and died so that the media would get Kurt's attention and Kurt would be like, oh, my God, I got to get a hold of Courtney. But she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a brilliant woman. Yes. And when Tom was like, I don't know if that's the best idea. Courtney said all publicity is good publicity. And Ew, I say that I'm never saying that. again. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's it's now eliminated from your vocabulary. <laughs> And then later when he like made a comment being like, why would you even say that? She's like, well, you know, I have that new album coming out. It'd be a good time to get some publicity. So wait, is it about your husband or is it about your new fucking album, you dumb bimbo? Like, I need answers here. (laughs) So at this time, Courtney was still rumored to be on drugs. And so Grant was like, oh, my God, like you really are on drugs. So don't make a story that you're like dying of a drug overdose or that you're even having one. Don't confirm or deny anything anywhere. Just just don't. Just stop talking, Courtney. Just stop talking. So then, finally, Courtney did a missing persons report after all this. She even hired the PI before she even did the missing persons report or anything. But weirdly enough, she filed the missing persons report not under Kurt's name, but under his mother's name. And she did it at the Seattle Police Department. But Courtney was still in California at the time, so after she filed it, She asked Dylan Carlson, which is Kurt's friend, the one that helped him buy the shotgun, to go check on the house. When Courtney placed the missing persons report, she mentioned that her this is just like a side note. When she placed it, she mentioned that her and her husband were famous and they were like, oh, like, who who are you guys? She's like, oh, um, my husband is Kurt Cobain. And they were like, oh, yeah, like the singer. And she's like, yeah, yeah. 
And they were like, okay, now who are you? And she's like, I'm Courtney Love. And they're like, okay, who are you? <laughs> and she's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I am famous. Like Clearly. She, she was so offended that they knew instantly who Kurt was and not who she was. Yikes. Okay. We're going we're gonna to rewind and go back to the Callie DeWitt person. So I mentioned who he was earlier and that Kurt had went and seen him because, you know, he lived with Kurt. His name is Michael DeWitt. He's also called Callie DeWitt. He's Courtney's ex-boyfriend. If that doesn't make it weird, weird enough, he's also Francis's nanny. Nope, that's weird. <laughs> nanny, um, Francis has two nannies, but he's Francis's main nanny. And um, he is supposedly really jealous and a drug addict. And again, he lives in Kurt Cobain's home with his girlfriend. And takes care of his daughter. Uh-huh. uh-huh. While being a drug addict. Uh-huh. uh-huh. While do being see, jealous. Do you see some weird issues here? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Interesting. So Callie told Courtney that he would notify her if Kurt came home. Well, that's interesting you say that, Callie, because hypothetically... <laughs> You did not do that already. <laughs> so were you lying or are you are you a murderer? A what do you want to tell us something, Callie? Are you on that many drugs? Okay. So Kurt was not seen on the fourth or on the fifth or on the sixth. Because remember, he was seen out and about in Seattle for a few days, but now he wasn't being seen even. On the seventh, rumors of Nirvana breaking up were coming into like media and stuff. And they ended up pulling from the 1994 Lollapalooza festival, which there's this story about how like Courtney, this is just a side note. <laughs> also, Courtney was like, yeah, they originally wanted me to play Lollapalooza, like my band. But like, you know, we just I thought that it would be better for Kurt's band to do it. And then they ended up fucking pulling from it. And I was like, wow, that was really shitty of you guys because we could have played. And I'm like, no, if you, you were not asked, you were asked because if you were asked and you were like, no, thanks. And then you were like, but my husband's band could do it. And then they ended up pulling. You could probably just get your spot back because it would have right. been like, we wanted you originally. They, right. They would have been like thankful for that. Yeah. That's not how music <laughs> like you're oh, OK. <laughs> OK. I have no words when it comes to this woman. So they ended up pulling from the festival. No one had seen him in days. Now, also on the 7th. Courtney asked the friend Carlson guy and Tom Grant, the PI guy, she asked him to go to Kurt's home and look for the shotgun everywhere. Why didn't she ask Callie to it? First off, who lives there? Who lives there? Okay. Right. So she asked them to go and look for the shotgun. They said that they looked everywhere, including turning over mattresses and looking in secret compartments that she notified them existed in the home. Again, remember that she told them where to look and they looked everywhere. Couldn't find the shotgun on the seventh, the seventh. They were unable to find him, but there was a note on the staircase downstairs written from Callie. Here's what it said. Kurt, I can't believe you managed to be in this house without me noticing. You're a fucking asshole for not calling Courtney and at least telling her you are okay. She's in a lot of pain, Kurt, and this morning she had another accident and now she's in the hospital again. She's your wife. She loves you. You have a child together now. Get it together to at least tell her you are okay or she's gonna die. It's not fair, man. Do something now. 
Callie. I got to talk. We got it. Okay. I'm going to dissect this note and you can chime in all you want here. Okay. We're going to go line by line. Kurt, I can't believe you managed to be in this house without me noticing. Did we not say that he admitted that Kurt came and visited him and his girlfriend the first night? Yes. So how is, are they not noticing all of a sudden? Okay. Next line. You're a fucking asshole for not calling Courtney and telling her you're okay. Callie, you called Courtney. You were on the phone with her. Why didn't you say something? You have her phone number. Phones work two ways. And you told Courtney that you would tell her. Notify her. Yes. Okay. Part three. She's in a lot of pain, Kurt. Okay. Okay. So is Kurt. This morning she had another accident and now she's in the hospital again. Okay. Okay, so are you guilt tripping him now? But she is in the hospital, by the way. We'll get to that in a second. But she's your wife. She loves you. Okay, we, yes, we get that. You have a child together now. (laughs) You are just guilt tripping. Get it together to tell her you're okay or she's gonna die. Wow, that went zero to 100. It's not fair, man. Do something now. Callie, you could literally do something. So many things. So I will say later, Callie says he doesn't remember this note. Not that he doesn't remember writing it. He just doesn't remember it. He even told Tom Grant, the PI, this. But that he was too, like, drugged up or something. But, I, but he is a drug addict. So we don't know if maybe he just, like, doesn't remember writing it. He wrote it in a stupor. Or maybe he did not write it. Hmm. Because to me, this note. Sounds like a note that you would have left to cover your trail if you killed Kurt or if you already knew Kurt was dead and you were trying to cover your basis. Again, that's like my trying opinion. to create a false alibi. Yes. Yeah. So when I mentioned that we would come back to what Courtney was doing. So during this time that all this was happening, Courtney was shacked up in the hotel. Remember, she's, you know, doing this detox. Guess who she's shacked up with? Who? Her drug dealer. That's not how you get clean. No, that's me being like, hey, Kylie, um, I'm going to uh, lose 10 pounds. I'm just going to lock myself in a room with 13 Boston cream pies. Yeah, it'll work. It'll be fine. (laughs) I will lose weight actively. (laughs) Yeah, because I will be thinking about it. It'll work. Yes. And uh, while Courtney was doing this, she ended up being arrested for drug charges on April 7th. Courtney had a suspected heroin overdose. She was charged with possessions of controlled substances. She ended up getting a felony and possession of both drug paraphernalia and hypodermic needles. On Friday 8th of April, Kurt's body was found dead in his home. Hmm. Really just dropped the hammer right there. (laughs) Showed no mercy. Oh, by the way, April 8th. Body was found. Big day. Okay, bye. (laughs) The body was found by Gary Smith. He was an electrician who found Kurt in his Lake Washington Boulevard home. Gary was trying to install an outdoor security system because remember Kurt had had that break in and that's why he wanted the gun and all that. Mm -hmm. So Gary was adding the security and it's uh, said that he was doing some stuff. He was on the ladder and he saw something through the windows in the French doors leading to the greenhouse, but the greenhouse doors were locked. (laughs) gary said i thought it was a mannequin no (laughs) no he did not he said he thought it was a mannequin 
I would like to tell everyone the first rule of true crime. It's never a goddamn mannequin, y'all. <laughs> never. It's never once been a mannequin. Mannequins don't even exist. Those aren't real. <laughs> Those, aren't Those real. are all dead bodies. Haven't you watched House of Wax? I fucking love that movie. Such a good movie. <laughs> Guilty pleasure for sure. So Gary thought that Kurt, when he realized it wasn't a mannequin, obviously, Gary thought that Kurt maybe was just asleep on the floor of the greenhouse. Because, you know, he does know that he does drugs. Probably like everyone fucking well, knows. Well, yeah, you, you know, he fell asleep while taking a photo. So, you know, just. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm tired. I'm just for all you know, he's like, I'm going to go out to my greenhouse yeah. and smoke some greens and do <laughs> some drugs and, and then sleep. Blissful. He just got out of rehab. What else is he going to do? plantiful <laughs> nappy nap. <laughs> nice, like, probably humid air in there. Gets you all sleepy. Oh, oh yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the doors ended up being locked, so he was like, oh, okay, that's weird, whatever. But then Gary noticed there's a shotgun pointed at Kurt's chin that's laying on his chest, so he thought he should probably call the police. Go, Gary. You Good, go Gary. Gary. Good, good boy. Call police. Good job. Call I mean, police, man. Not super good, because you did think it was a mannequin, but you get a B minus He, today. like, actively investigated. Yeah. I mean, they they were pure glass doors of a greenhouse, so okay. he probably could have seen stuff. But it's it's cool. You you tried, Gary. I wonder what Gary's doing with his life now. <laughs> Police instantly said this was a suicide. They like didn't even. They walked in. They're like, yep, ah, yep, suicide. Cool. This is suicide. Suicide squad. They didn't want to burden anyone with the idea that it could have even been a homicide. Many of the coroners, medical advisors, detectives, police, and officials over the years, have all said the exact same thing. You cannot, cannot declare a suicide without evidence. You can't declare anything without evidence. Without a coroner report. They didn't have fingerprints. They didn't have a coroner report. They didn't have a toxicology report. They didn't have anything. That is not a correct standard police protocol. You cannot declare a suicide without evidence. And not a suicide investigation. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Do you have feelings? Uh, <laughs> okay. Cases with prominent or famous figures usually actually take longer and are investigated more due to the scrutiny of the media, the fans, and the people that are close to that person. But this time it was happening exactly opposite. You know what? We needed those fucking Hotel Cecil sh- people up on this shit or like, don't fuck with cats. You know, we needed body moving on this case to get facts and moving. The police said that since the greenhouse doors were locked, that Kurt was barricading himself in because he had a chair up against the doors. Okay, so I painted that picture, right? You're imagining locked doors, chair up against it. Would you like me to describe what actually it looked like, Kylie? It is a glass building because it's a greenhouse. First off, they are French doors with a simple lock handle just like a simple not even a deadbolt nothing Mm -hmm. and this uh chair that was propping the door it was a broken stool that was next to the edge of one door and when you opened the door all the way it barely tapped the stool 
That so was like normal things you'd find in a yes, greenhouse. <laughs> that was the doors being barricaded per the police. Okay. Now, what's even more weird is that a lot of the reports don't even talk about the stool. Like the stool's missing from the reports. It's only like the last two or three p- reports that people were like, oh my God, there was a stool barricading the door. So I'm thinking maybe one of the police officers maybe even accidentally moved it closer to the door and maybe that's what happened or something. Yeah. Because literally, even in the pictures, so there are pictures from this event, people. We all know about the famous Polaroids. The, the the stool is in the background of one of them. It's not near the fucking doors. It's not near it. He probably tampered with it and then realized that he shouldn't have done it. And uh, then, yes. And well, then added it to the report. Are you implying that a police officer would do anything wrong ever? Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying Courtney Love has ever done something wrong in her whole life. Oh, no, she's perfect. Perfect. There was a suicide. I'm using that term loosely here, people. Suicide note. It was left on the um, flourish type thing. It was kind of like left in one of the green, the beds like that you would put stuff in. But it wasn't a finished one. So it was kind of just like some mulchy type stuff. And there was like a container and a bag of potting soil that was like ripped next to it. And it had a I think it was red ink pen just like stabbed through it putting it into the ground it was addressed to chat uh to kurt's childhood imaginary friend i want to say it's boda is that how you think it would be yeah i've heard different things it's b-o-d-d-a-h so it's kind of like buddha but an o instead of a u also near the body there was other stuff there was a can of root beer a pack of cigarettes some sunglasses a winter hat a small towel a bag of heroin a used syringe and then a cigar box that was open and it had drug supplies in it including like a spoon and stuff like that like lighter all that the person the first person on the scene was a paramedic his name is john fisk he does do interviews and stuff like that in like the documentaries and stuff He said when he first walked in, he didn't even realize it was Kurt Cobain. He just thought like a random person that died. And then someone was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And that's Kurt Cobain. He was like taken back. He's like, wait, wait, like Kurt Cobain, the rock star. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Wait wait a second. (laughs) And um, this is interesting because at the time it makes sense. But nowadays you look at this and you're like, God damn it. So Kurt killed himself by a shotgun blow to the face. Now, when you think that, you think, oh, my God, he doesn't have a face anymore, right? Like, I I played Fortnite. I see what shotguns do. Fortnite. (laughs) So the media ran wild with the story. They were like, oh, my God, the reason John Fisk and other people didn't recognize him is his face was unrecognizable. It was a complete mess. Police and medical workers couldn't identify him. Police and medical workers had to use fingerprints. He didn't have a face anymore. It was a shotgun massacre. Blah, blah, blah. No, they didn't recognize him because they like weren't trying to move the body and stuff. Um, They knew who he was. They knew what they were dealing with. Actually, compared to most, uh, a lot of the police and people say like compared to most gunshots to the face, his was really not as bad as you would think it is. It was completely able to be told who he was, but the media just spun it so badly that it made it sound even more dramatic. Right. As they do. Oh, they do. (laughs) And the toxicology report. All right. Let's no, let's hold on. I got to even prepare myself for this one. (laughs) So the toxicology report. 
There was an extremely large amount of black tar heroin. There was also traces of diazepam. I didn't do it right, did I? No. Diazepam. No. Diazepam. (laughs) Diazepam. Diazepam. Pam. Pam. I said pan every single time, didn't I? I just wanted an M. There's an M there. There is an M. Okay, well, that was in Kurt's blood. Diazepam Mm -hmm. is a sedative. It usually treats anxiety, and you do need a doctor's prescription for it. He did have one. So when I say there was a lot of heroin in his blood, I don't mean like, oh, yeah, there was a lot. No, I mean like, you guys, (laughs) there was. A lot. lot. (laughs) So. Kurt's blood level was this is going to sound really scientific. I promise you guys I'm not smart. This is a lot of Google. (laughs) It's a lot of Google. And I I'm not even going to tell you guys what my Google probably thinks I'm up to because I was like, (laughs) Google, how does heroin work? Google, how much heroin does a human do? Google is heroin in your blood. Google, how long does heroin last? I am on an FBI list now. Thank you, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> You've been on an FBI list I, for a uh, while. I am the whole FBI list. <laughs> Kurt's blood level was 1.52 milligrams of heroin per one liter of blood. To, to put that into perspective, that is three times the amount a normal, ab, like a normal heroin user that uses heroin on a daily basis would have in their systems at one time ever. Most heroin users will use about 40 to 60 milligrams per hit. And that will only get them 0.42 milligrams per liter maximum. Kurt had 1.52. That is far beyond the lethal limit. I feel as though, I mean, like he likes heroin, but like he would know better well and we talked about it before when he does drugs he gets very sleepy like if he did that much like how is he coherent enough to aim point okay yep we'll get into that at the end okay there is a reporting a lot of people have probably heard about it where they decided to test out this exact amount on someone after Kurt's death, try to like figure out if that is a lethal limit or whatever. But here's the issue. They didn't use actual heroin. They used like a medical grade um, sedative type thing that's a mimicable version of heroin. But it's it's not the same. That's like being like. How is that OK? <sighs> like science is so specific. It's It's very weird how it worked out. But when they did it, the person was still not good. But they were like, oh, look, that person lived. But like when you sit down and break it down, they were like, yeah, this isn't even a factual thing we can do. So the coroner's report had estimated that he actually died on April 5th. At the age of 27, he had been dead in this home for multiple days because we didn't find him till the 8th. Kurt had died of a gunshot wound. Kurt's official autopsy was never released to the public. All right. Most people want to know why it wasn't released and fans were shocked to hear of a suicide because in, in, in recent interviews, Kurt had said he was becoming happier. He was doing better and no one even expected him to be suicidal. People were looking towards his lyrics to see if he, to see if he seemed suicidal or depressed But remember, he said his lyrics were not important and to not look into them. So 
anytime someone was like, look, this this sounds about right. People were like, no, because he does sing about guns a lot. After Kurt's death, he was cremated only six days after. And uh, again, he was cremated. That would get rid of any evidence that could be there. Guess who approved his cremation? Hmm. Courtney Love. Well, I mean, she's probably the only one that could have approved it. He has a family. Do you know what marriage does in, in the eyes of the law? Well, wait until you hear. No, wait until you hear what's happening in their marriage. Okay. They're not doing too happy go lucky. This made fans really sad because they knew that they weren't going to get any closure. A public vigil was held on April 10th, 1994 at a park in Seattle Center. Over 7,000 people attended this. During it, Courtney did read portions of the suicide note to the crowd. Dave of course Grohl, she did. Anything for attention. Yeah. Dave Grohl said he believed he knew Kurt would die at an early age, saying, sometimes you just can't save someone from themselves. A final ceremony was arranged by his mother, Wendy, on May 31st, 1999. And Courtney Love attended it, as did Tracy Miranda. Remember the, the first girlfriend, Tracy? She was so sweet in all of her interviews, too. She's like, you know, we ended on good terms. We we didn't date on good terms. But we ended on good terms. He was a good guy deep down. So she was, she seemed wholesome. A Buddhist monk had chanted and Francis Bean scattered uh, Kurt's ashes into McLean Creek in Olympia, the city where he said he had found his true artistic muse. The Seattle Police Department receives at least one weekly request to reopen the investigation. In March of 2014, the Seattle police developed four rolls of film that were left in the evidence vault. No reason is provided why the rolls weren't developed earlier. They were found when he died in 1994. They were not even sent to get developed until 2014. Okay. So according to the Seattle police, the 35 millimeter films uh, the photographs show the scene of Kurt's dead body more clearly than the previous Polaroid images taken by the police. Detective Mike Sansky said he is a cold case investigator that he was instructed to look at the film because and it's 20 years later, it's still a high media case. So, you know, he's put on the task. Sansky stated that Kurt's death remains a suicide. The images don't even need to be released publicly. But of course, people love to leak stuff. So the photos in question were later released one by one, which is so dramatic. And it was only weeks before the 20th anniversary that they were starting to get leaked. One photo shows Kurt's arm. Another one shows him wearing the hospital bracelet from the rehab facility. Another one shows his foot resting next to the bag of shotgun shells. Like another one is like of that little... um med uh not medical kit the cigar box with the drugs and stuff and again in the background of some of these you can see the fucking stool of course <laughs> but they're very ominous because you know what follows it's one of those like tiktoks where they're like pictures that have ominous endings so the greenhouse where kurt's body had been found was torn down and destroyed per courtney love and Courtney's father, who was estranged from her, came out around this time and said, this is a murder, not a suicide. And he knows who did it. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. You know what that is? Is it interesting? 
it's it's uh very interesting. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to say tupata. <laughs> it's too too interesting. Too interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so as I just brought the mood real down real fast. So I want to talk about a few cool things before we get into all the speculations. Let's talk about the legacy that Kurt and Nirvana had. On April 10th in 2014, Nirvana was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Dave Grohl, the Novoselic. I, I got I remember it his first name now. Novoselic, though. Yeah. And um, ugh, Courtney Love <laughs> accepted the 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 little statuette thing, you know, the accolade. Little, I didn't want to say it. I know <laughs> <laughs> they they received it and they gave the speeches at ceremony. Dave Grohl also did interviews afterwards. And in one of them, he's like, Kurt should be here doing this like this. He would have hated it, but God damn, he would have loved it. But God damn, he would have hated it. He would have hated like, it. Yeah. He's like, I don't even know which one would outweigh. <laughs> Kurt became known as one of the most prominent members of the 27 Club, which is when you die at 27 years old. It is nowadays also the name of a coffee house by Machine Gun Kelly in Ohio. And uh, the whole coffee house is themed like death. Very interesting. But it's hot pink also. So there's that. The 27 Club has some very prominent members. Brian Jones, a form, former founding member of Rolling Stones. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison from The Doors. And the most current one is Amy Winehouse. In 2005, a sign was put up in Aberdeen, Washington that says... Welcome to Aberdeen. Come as you are. I want to take a picture in front of that more than anything in life. So cool. The sign was paid for and created by the Kurt Cobain Memorial Committee. It's a nonprofit organization created in May 2004 to honor Kurt. On the anniversary of his death, fans gather in the park to celebrate his life and memory. However, in July of 2009, controversy started because the monument to Kurt in Aberdeen near the Wishtaka River had a quote at the bottom of it and it's a quote that he said and it says drugs are bad they'll fuck you up <laughs> the city decided that was too aggressive so they sandblasted <laughs> the monument and got rid of the the fuck word and it just says f dot 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 but every week they like say that they have to clean it because fans will just draw the letters back well, in of course of course <laughs> you guys use any other quote you know what you're doing right <laughs> In 2003, David Frick, uh, Frick of Rolling Stones ranked Kurt the 12th greatest guitarist of all time. He also was ranked the 73rd greatest guitarist in another like report when, you know, more great guitars came out. He's the 45th greatest singer of all time by Rolling Stone. And, and on MTV, he's the seventh in the 22 greatest voices of music. He's obviously had a ton more accomplishments and things. But those ones were like the coolest, I thought. And they uh, were one of the most requested songs or requested artists. I can't remember which it was to have as returning songs and artists in Rock Band and Garage. Uh, nope. Garage Hero. Garage Band. Rock Hero. Rock Band. Rock Hard. <laughs> <laughs> what are they called? Rock Star Hero. Gra- <laughs> guitar. Guitar Rock. What is it called? Guitar Hero. And what's the other one? Rock Band. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, yeah, that's I've never played Guitar Hero in my whole life. Oh, really? And I've only played Rock Band like maybe t- two or three times ever. And I've only ever done the drums. Oh, ever. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I only did the drums in Rock Band and I only did it once. But Guitar Hero makes you feel like you're on a fucking trip when you're done. Oh, I want to do it so because bad. like we have it. I know. It, we like, talk about it all the time. Because I don't know what it is, but basically because, you know, like the frets are always moving forward. Hmm. So when you stop, everything is moving in the room. My goal in life <laughs> is to look like I am a character from Guitar Hero, which <laughs> side note, you guys, we've talked about him before. Adam, <laughs> that guy, Adam, I think his TikTok name is at Adam Araki. And this man blindfolds himself and does the hardest versions of songs and gets a hundred percent in guitar hero what that is what i'll show you one we'll post one we'll we'll we're sponsored by adam Araki. (laughs) (laughs) it's he's our ryan reynolds and he is our god we love him he is the kurt cobain of our generation he's amazing at music and he's amazing looking everybody stalk him okay (laughs) moving on moving on Yeah, so I just I think that's really cool, though, that he is gone, but even his memory stays alive in simple things like a fucking video game. Yeah, like that's that's dope. Um, In the 1998. Oh, I told you guys in the last episodes, I want to rewind real quick about the different documentaries and movies and things like that. But I wanted to explain them a little bit better. So I put his best representations in media. So in 1998, there was the documentary series Kurt and Courtney. Filmmaker Nick Broomfield investigated Tom Grant's claims, the P.I., that Kurt was actually murdered. He took a film crew to visit a number of people associated with the couple, as well as a bunch of family members. Broomfield spoke to the mentors band leader, Eldon Elduce Hoke. Great name. (laughs) He claimed Courtney Love offered him $50,000 to kill Kurt Cobain. Now, although he claimed that he knew who killed Kurt, he didn't ever mention a name because he said he didn't go through with it, but he knows who did. He also could offer no evidence to support that, though. Broomfield ended up capturing the last interview, and he ended up dying just a few days after this interview about how he knew who killed Kurt. He just died. Supposedly, he was hit by a train and just died. It's really hard to, like, do that by accident. Yeah. (laughs) Later, there was a Brett Morgan film entitled Kurt Cobain Montage of Heck available on HBO Max. We are not sponsored. I just really like HBO Max. It has euphoria. Go watch it also. (laughs) It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January 2015, followed by small screen and cinema releases. And then it is now available. I did go see that one. It was pretty cool. I saw it, like, in theaters. That's cool. It, uh... It's it's the one that I said is like happy and sad because it has so many clips and stuff Mm -hmm. and it has interviews from literally everyone in every stage of his life. Ex-girlfriends, ex-friends, everyone. Soaked in Bleach is the 2015 American docudrama where it's real and not real. It's directed by Benjamin Statler. The film details events leading up to the death of Kurt Cobain as seen through the perspective of the P.I. Tom Grant. He was the one hired by Courtney Love to find Kurt. Now, it explores the premise that Kurt's death was not a suicide and it like plays on that, showing you how it would have happened if it wasn't. 
He also does include real interviews and real clips, and he provides real sound bits from like recordings that are not available elsewhere. After it premiered, Courtney's legal team issued a cease and desist letter against theaters for showing the documentary. And from when Kurt died in 2015, they put at the end of this like a disclaimer, there have been 68 copycat suicides that were recorded that are the same way as Kurt's death. Hmm. We all need to talk about the other important media outlet here. I put a whole goddamn paragraph about it. This is a pretty long paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) The new Matt Reeves film, The Batman, in 2022 with our uh, resident bad boy, Robbie P. It depicts a version of Bruce Wayne where he's performed by Robbie P. That's Robert Pattinson, for those of you that aren't on a, a close name basis with him like we are. <laughs> close name basis. And that character is actually inspired by Kurt Cobain. Reeves stated, when I write, I listen to music. And so when I was writing the first act, I just put on Nirvana's Something in the Way. That's when it came to me. Rather than making Bruce Wayne the Playboy version we've always seen before, there's another version who's gone through the great tragedy to become a recluse. So I started making that connection. The idea of this fictionalized version of Kurt Cobain being in this decaying manner since the release of the film. Well, yeah, in the decaying manner. So um, he wanted to show like. Batman went through this tragedy. He's probably a recluse. He's probably moody. He's stuck inside. He's probably just this angsty fucking person. I was going to say super fucking angsty. And that's how Kurt Cobain was. So he really played off that, which I think helped because of all the eye makeup. Since the release of the film, the song Something in the Way went from not being a super popular Nirvana song to now being the number two most streamed Nirvana song in the world. Kind of a big deal. Pretty big deal. It's a bop. But it's kind of funny because I talked about this last episode. Most people I know that like Nirvana, that's like their sad song. That's like one of the few like, oh, that just hits you. And now every person I know is like, yeah, that's not my sad song at all anymore. Like not one bit can't do it you scroll through tiktok you see it like 20 times in five minutes you can't use that as a sad song anymore nope it makes you a badass now yeah francis has definitely gotten the good genes from her parents francis is not only fucking gorgeous she has kurt's icy blue eyes and his incredible talent with music you notice i only mentioned him not the um other person that helped procreate francis <laughs> she does actually have more of a kurt voice where like it has a little bit deep tones of raspiness, but Courtney's is pure raspy. And that's why I say she took after Kurt a little bit more because she can make her voice raspy, but it's not raspy. She's also a super high soprano and mm-hmm. both Kurt and Courtney are not. <laughs> They're like super altos. Dealing with Francis in 2016 slash 17 ish, Francis got divorced from her husband at the time, Isaiah Sylvia, who kept a wedding gift that he said belonged to him. The gift was Kurt Cobain's 1959 Martin D18E acoustic guitar that he used and played during the legendary MTV Unplugged session on live television. It's considered a Cobain fairly er- fairly er- fairly <laughs> family heirloom. There you go. <laughs> but Isaiah ended up refusing to give it back because he said it was a gift to him. Courtney Love tried pressing charges to get it back and she ended up losing. And that was like the fucking messiest (laughs) lawsuit ever. 
He said that Courtney threatened guys to come beat him up. He even said it was like famous people from like other bands. And then he said that he was like beaten up and then he was like assaulted and like this happened and that happened. And then she said this and he said that y'all can go read that fucking court transcript. It's bonky. (laughs) But instead of actually keeping it after all that, he ended up selling it at an auction in June of 2021 at a two day music icons auction by Julian Auctions. The guitar sold for a world record of six million dollars. Just a little bit of money. Wished I had that. I wouldn't. I would buy the guitar. Yes. <laughs> the new owner is a man named Peter Friedman. The fact that he won't just give it back to the Cobain. Someone give it fucking back to Francis. Yeah. Make your own. It's kind of sad. So that's where I stopped. But then I thought about it and I said I would like to share my personal thoughts. Okay, I'm ready. So I broke them up into like different sections so we can talk about each section. And I do have if you're going to think about stopping listening here because you're like, oh, they're just going to chit chat. I am bringing new information as I talk about our speculations. So if I were you, I would keep listening because there is stuff I didn't mention. And we're going to now, including suicide note, we'll read first up. Remember when I said Courtney? (laughs) (laughs) You said that earlier, but I didn't. Did I really? I do it all the time because Kurt and Courtney, God. Yeah. And then Callie and fucking everything. Yeah. Remember when I said Courtney believed Kurt was cheating on her with Kristen Pfaff in the last episode? The the bassist. Okay, so Kristen is the bassist of Holt, Courtney's band. This girl died of a heroin overdose. On June 16th, 1996 at 27. Huh. Okay. Okay. All right. So Kristen was found locked in a room. Very similar. Okay. She was locked in a bathroom with drug paraphernalia on the floor in a box. The last person who saw her alive was her boyfriend, Eric Erlandenson, who was the guitarist for Hole, who visited her the night before. If that already didn't sound kind of weird, let's let's talk about some other weird parts about it. Kristen had actually just completed drug rehab like she completed it and she decided she wanted to start over. She wasn't doing drugs anymore. And she said she wanted to move to Minneapolis with Erickson and start a new life. She was fed up with Courtney Love and she wanted to leave. And leave Seattle's drug scene. Kristen also was really upset with Courtney later. She admitted to a friend and she said. Courtney's scary. If I take a hike, she'll make me look bad or do something to make my life miserable. After Kristen's death, her mother discovered that Kristen had a diary and some of the pages of the diary were ripped out and they were the pages missing from the week Kurt was missing. Hmm. So there are some similarities there about how people around Courtney keep dying. of like drug themed things and stuff. But around this time, also a police officer said that the best person in life, if you truly want to get away with murder to kill is a drug user. Cause you can play it off way easier. You can put drugs in their system. They, because when a murderer is going to murder someone and they use drugs on them and people find drugs in the system and they're like, that's abnormal. That already starts the speculation. They'll hunt down where those drugs came from. But if you're already a drug user and the toxicology report comes back with drugs in your system, people already are like, no shit. That makes sense. Yeah. 
and it's easier to cover up the evidence. It's easier to play off the suicide. It's easier to just do everything when they are a drug user already. Even if they're a drug user, it's getting clean because we all know that that's hard to do. So even if it's someone that's been clean for one year, two years, three years, seven years, 12 years, it doesn't matter because people can bounce back. And there's no saying when or how it's going to happen. Something could trigger it. It could just happen out of the blue. They could get accidentally swindled into it. You never know. So it is very interesting. This could have been Kristen just died, but it's similarities have issues. It's a little sus. The diary has issues. The fact that Kristen was scared of Courtney. Kristen mentioned how Courtney was vindictive. And we all knew that Courtney did not like that she thought Kurt was cheating with Kristen, but now she also thought that Kristen was cheating with Kurt. Very interesting. And she's a jealous bitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Next, in the box of uh, good old drugs next to Kurt, his heroin. Remember how the bag of heroin was there and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. The heroin that he was using and stuff, though, was capped and closed and like the needle was put away and everything and closed when the body was found. Most drug users wouldn't have the peace of mind to clean this up and be awake to pick up a shotgun, aim it, hold it, shoot it, and do all this. Most drug users wouldn't be able to do that. Now, remember, I'm saying most drug users, but not only was he a most drug user, but he was a most drug user three times that limit at this point. So you're saying when he did a normal amount, he can't even stay awake for a photo shoot, but right now he's doing three times that amount and he had the peace of mind to clean up after himself have these doors locked, you know, take all these pictures and still hold a shotgun, aim it and shoot. Seems a little sketchy. I just am not seeing when I'm tired, I'm not picking up a big, heavy thing. I said how many pounds it was like seven or something like that. I'm not picking up a fucking seven pound thing and aiming it. Mm mm. Seven pounds is not heavy, but like it's it's for another day. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm just going to nap. Especially in a nice warm greenhouse. Yes. No, man, that's not happening. And like in Seattle, it's probably raining. And you could hear it at, at the greenhouse. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I love Seattle. Next, the police waited 30 days to even try and get fingerprints from the shotgun. And no fingerprints were found. So the shotgun might have been wiped down. That doesn't seem safe. And when the shotgun was done, they released it back to Courtney Love and she had it melted down and destroyed. That's not the same day she got it back. What? (laughs) So she destroyed the greenhouse, the gun and the body. But y'all don't find any of that suspicious. Just wait till we get to the who has the suicide note. You'll be (laughs) shocked to find out who has that. Mm. Next. Carlson, the friend that gave the gun to Kurt, People were like, why did you give him a gun? Like, why did you do that? And he said it's because there was no way he thought Kurt was suicidal. Not one bit. And many people who they asked who were close to Kurt at that time, including everyone at the rehab center and everything. No one said Kurt was suicidal. And actually, most people, including his band, said he was doing so much better. And the only person that thought he was suicidal was Courtney. But remember, one of the times she said it was a suicide thing, even Kurt was like, Yo, I'm not suicidal. I'm fucking scared of Courtney and I'm locking myself in a room to get away from her. Mm -hmm. Next, how did Callie never hear a gunshot? 
a fucking shotgun shot. Yeah, those are those are quite loud. Like it's like boom. <laughs> like yeah. it's a low. I get it. He could have been in a drug and stupor, stupor, uh, drugged up stupor. He could yeah. have been sleeping or something, but that's gonna wake you up from a sleep. And if you're drugged out, you're gonna be real fucking nervous, and you're gonna want to go investigate that shit. Sure. I don't know how people on heroin act, but that's how I would, I guess. (laughs) But then again, we also do know heroin makes you sleepy, but I feel like you would have then had the peace of mind to be like, I feel like I remember some fucking weird thing about my trip. And if his girlfriend's there too, like wouldn't someone. And it was multiple days. Essentially. Mm hmm. Allegedly. Next. How did the private investigator not notice the note at the bottom of the staircase the day before? When he was searching the entire house for the for the gun, how did the PI not see it one bit? That's pretty weird. Or even the best friend, the best friend didn't see it when he went to search for the gun. Two separate people were in that home that didn't see this note. And why does it sound like Courtney wrote the note or at least influenced it being like, it's all about me. Why does it sound like Callie like already knew that Kurt was dead in it? We talked about this earlier. Because, like, it sounds like he was either already dead and it's an alibi, like you said, mm-hmm. or that Courtney wrote it and was like, can you, can you just write this for me? Write that I'm in the hospital. Like, oh, oh, also, can you, can you write, um, men- mention that he has a daughter. He does love his daughter. Yeah, yeah. Say that, Um, you know, <laughs> she's like reminding him. Which it does is- sound like creating trying to create a false alibi yes and speaking of the pi not noticing things courtney called the pi and was like look everywhere for this gun do this blah blah blah. the pi and the friend that went there never checked the greenhouse for the gun because they were there the day before why does she need the shotgun because she was afraid kurt would kill himself that's what she told everyone is kurt was going to kill right but how did she know that if kurt was probably he was probably already dead and what she wanted to get rid of it get rid of the evidence and also if Kurt had tried killing himself those original times, supposedly, and stuff like that, like with drugs, wouldn't he have just killed himself with drugs? Probably shouldn't that have been what yeah, she would think? What's the reason for the shotgun? So the thing is, is she didn't even tell them there was a greenhouse, but she told them everything else where these secret spots are, where it could have been hidden, all this stuff. And she told him to look everywhere. But the PI even said, he's like, I didn't even know there was a greenhouse till I saw the, on the news that his body was found there. Like, no one even told me there was a greenhouse on the other side of the home. It was behind, like, some brush. Like, you could only see it if you stood in a certain spot. Just like, hi, I'm a greenhouse. Yeah. Because, like, when you pulled in, you would see the driveway in front of you. And then, like, you know, the the front corner of the house. And this was on the back corner. Okay. So you would have to walk slightly around the house to see it correctly. Otherwise, it just kind of looked like the house continued. Yeah, I wouldn't have looked there either then if I had no idea it was there. But if you were walking through the house and like someone's telling you all these things, you would think they would have told you to check the fucking greenhouse if they're that determined to find something. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, Kurt would have already been dead in the greenhouse at this point. Right. And she's only telling him to find the gun. That seems weird, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Also... So this is what I wanted to tell you earlier, but I don't want to jump too far ahead about their rocky relationship. Just a few days before going to rehab, Kurt contacted his lawyer and asked to remove Courtney from his will. 
their lawyer is named Rosemary Carroll, and she's the couple's lawyer. Courtney called her around this time also, and she said that Kurt was going to leave her and she needs the meanest divorce lawyer possible to help her out. She also asked the lawyer, um, how do you cancel a prenup? And the lawyer said, that'll only happen if Kurt dies. Right. Well. Prenups equal motive. I feel like Courtney heard that and said, so you would like me to kill Kurt is what you're saying? Like, maybe Courtney didn't pull the bullet. No, that's not the phrase. (laughs) The trigger for the bullet. (laughs) But she heard that sentence. Now, supposedly there were at least seven or more people that came and went from the Cobain residency and none of them noticed Kurt's body during that time, like seven separate people while his body was dead, including different officers and the PI. And no one had noticed that body. When Kurt left the rehab, he was only 10 miles away from where Courtney was and he went to Washington instead of seeing her. Why was that? We talked about that. And it, I also think like why... Were the cards shut off? Was it so that he couldn't get anywhere? Did Courtney know? Or something like, did Courtney want him to get stranded somewhere? Did she know he was already in Seattle? Because supposedly, remember, she, Callie didn't tell her where he was and she didn't know or whatever. But if she was only 10 miles away and she canceled these credit cards and all this stuff, wouldn't she have probably went and checked out the place And wouldn't there be reports of that? And or why wouldn't she have tried to go to Seattle or something like that if she had already canceled the stuff and assuming that he's probably stranded there? And instead, she stayed in the hotel enough long enough to get arrested. That just seems like somewhere that didn't make sense to me. I get it. She's on drugs. Yeah, drugs don't make people make sense. But wouldn't the PI even Warner be like, okay, if you're this worried, let's go to Seattle. Come with me. If you're this worried, stop doing the drugs for 10 fucking minutes, dumb bitch. And let's go get in my car right now. I'll drive my car. We'll call Duff. We'll all talk on an airplane. It'll be great. We'll talk guns and roses. Okay, let's talk about the suicide note. I knew you wouldn't have known the suicide note, Kylie. So so that you have enough to break it down. I'm going to have you read them the suicide note so you can really mentally you know get in the mindset of this okay you're gonna read this whole thing and then we'll discuss it okay to boda speaking from the tongue of an experienced simpleton who obviously would rather be an emasculated infantile complainy jesus this note should be pretty easy to understand all the warnings from the punk rock 101 courses over the years since my first introduction to the shall we say ethics involved with independence and the embracement of your community has proven to be very true. I haven't felt the excitement of listening to, as well as creating music, along with reading and writing for too many years now. I feel guilty beyond words about these things. For example, when we're backstage and the lights go out and the manic roar of the crowds begins, it doesn't affect me the way, it, the way in which it did for Freddie Mercury who seemed to love and relish in the love and adoration from the crowd, which is something I totally admire and envy. The fact is, I can't fool you, any one of you. It simply isn't fair to you or me. 
The worst crime I can think of would be to rip people off by faking it and pretending as if I'm having 100% fun. Sometimes I feel I should have a punch-in time clock before I walk out on stage. I've tried everything within my power to appreciate it. And I do, God, believe me, I do, but it's not enough. I appreciate the fact that I and we have affected and entertained a lot of people. I must be one of those narcissists who only appreciate things when they're gone. I'm too sensitive. I need to be slightly numb in order to regain the enthusiasm I once had as a child. On our last three tours, I've had a much better appreciation for all the people I've known personally and fans of our music, but I still can't get over the frustration, the guilt, and empathy I have for everyone. There's good in all of us, and I think I simply love people too much. So much that it makes me feel too fucking sad. The sad, little, sensitive, unappreciative Pisces Jesus man. Why don't you just enjoy it? I don't know. I have a goddess of a wife who sweats ambition and empathy and a daughter who reminds me too much of what I used to be. Full of love and joy, kissing every person she meets because everyone is good and will do her no harm. And that terrifies me to the point where I can barely function. I can't stand the thought of Francis becoming the miserable, self-destructive death rocker that I've become. I have it good, very good, and I'm grateful, but since the age of seven, I've become hateful towards all humans in general. Only because it seems as so easy for people to get along that have empathy. Only because I love and feel sorry for people too much, I guess. Thank you all from the pit of my burning, nauseous stomach for your letters and concern during the past years. I'm too much of an erratic, moody baby. I don't have the passion anymore, and so remember, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Peace, love, empathy. Kurt Cobain. Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep going, Courtney, for Francis. For her life, which will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I see Kylie scrolling through it all again. <laughs> okay. So I need you to do me a favor right now, Kylie, and anyone listening, Google this suicide letter. I want you to look at it as I'm talking about it really quick. I should have just given it to you. I'm sorry, Kylie. That's okay. But the reason why I want you to look at it is because you have to notice the dichotomy of the two different handwritings or like the two different portions of the letter. It's broken up into part one and part two of the letter. And when you see it, you'll kind of see exactly where it breaks. So at the beginning of the letter, it doesn't sound like a suicide letter. It sounds like he's talking about music and his feelings, almost like a journal entry. He's just discussing things. The handwriting's small. It's close together. It's neat. It's very like tiny together music. It's all about music. And then towards like the kind of end when it hits that second part, the handwriting starts to change and it's like sloppier. It's a little bit larger. It's starting to slant a little bit. And all of a sudden it starts to focus on Courtney and stuff. And it starts to all of a sudden sound like a suicide letter. Like it's no longer a journal entry. Now it's a letter. And people say at the bottom, it seems like it's written by someone else, especially when it gets to the very bottom after Kurt Cobain's signature. The letters are large. They're spaced. It's like sloppy. Now, originally, Courtney was the only person that had the note, and she refused to let anyone even see it or read it other than the police. Eventually, someone conned her into making a copy. They were like, oh, yeah, like, can I see that just one more time? And then they were like, oh, like, I don't. 
I don't have my glasses. I can't read it. Can I just, can I just make a photocopy and borrow it? And they're like, fine, you can do that. (laughs) And then he had the copy and he gave it to everyone. But otherwise this note would have never been seen by anyone. Now, Kurt loved Francis more than anyone in the world. And I would believe that if he was writing a suicide note, there would not be one small sentence about her. This whole note would be about Francis and her life. I can agree with that. But also the the two different handwritings, it gets to me. And it bothers me because it's only when it all of a sudden takes that turn into suicide that it all of a sudden is a different handwriting. It's a different look. And it. It looks like another person wrote this. I had you look at it. How do you feel? Am I crazy for thinking that? I mean. Now, the handwriting looks very similar. Yes. Yes. Very messy, sloppy. But I agree at the end. It's just it, there's different the same person. It's something's different. Well, I will discuss the note again one more time in a minute, but I want to just say one last thing about it. And again, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm. Not willing to change my mind, but I'm willing to listen to other people's opinions. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um. Doesn't the vibe of the letter change half, like not even halfway. It's like three fourths the way through. It talks about music, his feelings about music. And it's the same things he's always said. You know, he can't handle the fandom. He is really resentful of it and things like that. And he's like, you know, I just really hope Francis doesn't end up like that. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I hope she doesn't end up like this because I'm going to fucking kill myself, bro. And I don't want you guys being sad because I love y'all. Right. Like it's all of a sudden like, whoa, you went from like your sad, normal, angsty to. Yeah. To like, you genuinely are off your meds, man. Something happened. So something that's interesting about this, Rosemary Carroll, the couple's lawyer, remember, she's someone who knew both members. She knew Courtney and she knew Kurt. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Courtney again. (laughs) She knew both them and she knew them signing documents. She knew them writing. She knew everything within an instant of seeing this letter, she goes, oh, yeah, that's a forgery. Like, no fucking hesitation. This bitch is like, yeah, that is not Kurt that signed that letter. The media at the time started quoting parts of the letter and putting it out there, and they were quoting it, making it sound like the most intense suicide letter ever. And uh, people later realized that they were making up parts of the letter that didn't even exist. That did make it sound like a suicide letter. Like, a real, like, I killed myself because I hate my life. Yeah. That doesn't help the situation one bit. Then the next piece of evidence was found. Courtney left a bag somewhere. And when they found this bag, they found pieces of paper where Courtney was practicing Kurt's handwriting by tracing it from his journal. Mm. Courtney was practicing how to sign his name. And how to write like him. Probably because of the prenup. Oh, yeah, that's why. Not because she's writing a fucking suicide letter. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been analyzed a bunch. Nothing's really came from it. People are like, yeah, there's a lot. They say that there is as many similarities between Kurt's handwriting and the bottom as Courtney's handwriting and the bottom. They are 100% equal, all of those. Which is um, weird because... 
I thought handwritings are supposed to be very kind of like hard to mimic. Mm -hmm. So, okay, it doesn't weird me out that Kurtz matches it. It weirds me out more that Courtney's matches it. Yeah. Because I don't like that. Mm -mm. If we really think it's Kurtz, there should be no reasoning Courtney's matches that well. Yeah. We should think that Kurt just was in a different mindset and that he was writing differently. That's that makes sense. Because when I write cursive and when I write non-cursive, I don't know what that's called. What is it called? Print. Uh, print. OK, sorry. <laughs> when I write cursive and when I write print, it still kind of looks the same, essentially. Like you can tell the same person wrote it. Yeah. But if I try to mimic someone else doing that, it doesn't look like mine, but it does not look like theirs. Yeah. So that's odd that that is that other weird things the way the gun was being held where the casing was found it's impossible the, like that's all there is to it it's impossible so his hand was i'm gonna fuck this all up and i should have just fucking wrote it out i want to say kurt was left-handed whatever okay i really am backwards right now either kurt was left-handed and he played music right-handed or vice versa he was right-handed and played left-handed because everyone's always thought it was weird but the whole gun situation is he was holding it with his prominent hand, which I want to say was his left hand. And the gun, it actually had in his finger webbing a imprint where the gun was being held. So it, it was being held by him. But here's the issues is the gun was found upside down. And then not only was it found upside down like that, but the casing was found on the opposite side of his body. So here's what would have had to happen. When he shot the gun, the gun would have had to recoil so hard that it spun around entirely in his hand. That's not possible, just so you know. And then also the casing would have had to magically come out and then take a 90 degree flip and flip the other way into the air. Now, here's some things that could have happened. Um, someone could have put it in his hand upside down. That's believable. Mm -hmm. Um, he could have been holding it to get it away from someone and it was the other way around and or the casing could have ended up on the opposite side if it bounced off something that was large enough to bounce off of such as another human's body in the room um, these are all things coroners police and detectives have all over the years not the ones working the case obviously because they don't care about the case but like <laughs> other ones have said are very very plausible solutions mm -hmm. and they have had some really famous coroners and detectives like i think it was like marilyn monroe's detective or something or like autopsy physician or something like that is one of them i know elvis's coroner also like gave his opinion about it like who have worked on drug cases nonetheless even and are like mm -hmm. hey let's talk about his toxicology reports and stuff like even these people who have seen crazy toxicology reports were like can i give my opinion yeah it's fucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fucked <laughs> so tom i'm just gonna move on to the next one i'm trying not to focus on any of them too heavy but i want to give you all of them tom grant the pi who spoke the most with courtney and met with her and everything and investigated the case he 100% will say without a doubt this is a murder. And he is never shy about hinting that it is Courtney and Callie that had something to do with this. There are interviews where he's like, they're like, oh, so do you think it was murder? And he's like, do I think or do I know? Because I know. But what, what would you like me to say here? <laughs> like, he is just 
blunt about it. He made the whole fucking movie dedicated to the reasons why Courtney killed Kurt. Yeah. Next, after Tom started releasing all the information, Rosemary Carroll, the lawyer, denied providing assistance and giving information to Tom Grant. But she forgot that Tom Grant records everything and there were recorded calls as evidence. And she's like, no, that nope. Because she didn't want Tom going public with these things. Right after this happened, Tom received a letter from Rosemary's office threatening a lawsuit and possible criminal prosecution if he continues with it. Now, here's what I wondered. Is Rosemary Carroll still representing Courtney and is Courtney still on her payroll? Like vice versa? Because that could be a good reasoning. Mm -hmm. And or did Courtney pay Rosemary and was like, yo, you better fucking get this man to shut up. I accidentally hired him. I fucked up. You're my lawyer. Get this fucking dude off my trail now. Maybe. Because Courtney inherited a chunk of change. Francis did too, but Francis, I think if I remember correctly, got more um, possessions and uh, real estate. And I think Courtney got money, if I remember correctly. And lastly, my big thing is Courtney claims that there was another suicide letter from the time in Rome with the Rohypnol and the Champagne, where he also talked about being suicidal. And she refuses to let anyone see that. No, either. And it's hidden. And at one point, someone's like, where is it hidden? And she's like, in my um, security box. Is that what they're called at the bank? Those boxes? Yeah. Okay. She's like, it's in my security box. And they're like, okay, well, can we see it? And she's like, well, yeah, it's over there. I can grab it and bring it to you. And they're like, yeah, can you? And she's like, well, I mean, it's it's really out of the way. I'll do it next time. And the next time she sees them, she's like, oh, I'll, I'll do it next time. Courtney's never let anyone see this note. No one knows if it's true or not. But there also any like it's a safety deposit box. By that's the way. what it's called. Um, there isn't any like nothing from the bank. Nothing. No one knows. There's no video. There's video surveillance like you would think. But 100%. there's probably other things that she puts in there and no one can say for sure what's what yeah. she probably has put. Maybe she put the other fucking suicide note in there too. suicide note. <laughs> um sus note but it's just interesting that courtney was given both notes and she wouldn't let the second one be seen either and now she won't let this first one be seen i really would like to compare the handwriting of these two notes also mm-hmm. things like that i just i have a i have so many more questions than answers like it just yeah it gets to me now there is a, a recent update In May of 2021, Kurt Cobain's FBI file was officially released to the public. It's 10 pages long. It gives you no no help in solving this or having anything resolved. Two of the pages out of the 10 pages are letters. One's from 2003 and one's from 2007. And both of them strongly urge the FBI to treat this as a murder and not a suicide. But the people who sent these are unknown to the public because the names are redacted and whited out. In one of the 2007 letters, there are some quotes that I want us to talk about. The first one says, the police who took up the case were never serious in investigating it as a murder. But from the beginning, they insisted on it being a suicide. This bothers me the most because his killer is still out there. Which is literally what everyone said. Yes, Mm -hmm. they, they said it was a suicide when they can't. The next quote that struck me was it said... On his suicide note, 
He mentioned nothing about wanting to die, except for the part that was in another handwriting and appeared to be added at the end. Which is true. That's the only time that that and there was no explicit thing about wanting to die in the whole letter. Never once. Okay, he uh, in that 2007 letter, it also talks about the amount of drugs in his system and the Courtney handwriting testing sheets and like literally everything. But the FBI's response to this, which is included in these documents, says, we appreciate your concern that Mr. Cobain may have been the victim of a homicide. However, most homicide investigations generally fall within the jurisdiction of state or local authorities. And we all know that the state and local authorities closed the case before even starting it. Mm-hmm. So, a.k.a. the FBI is like, yeah, my hands are tied. I wonder why. What makes him different? Courtney Love paid everyone off. She's probably fucking the whole fucking police department. She wanted to fuck Tom Grant. She's probably fucking everything. She's got maybe this girl throws her cat around like crazy. Her cat. <laughs> she does. If you watch any of their home movies, there's this one home movie where she's literally standing there and Kurt's like trying to have a conversation with her. And he's like, oh, like, uh, did you see yesterday when the blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Look at my rack. I have such big boobs. I'm Courtney Love, the girl with big boobs. Look at Courtney Love's rack. And she's just like fucking talking about her titties as they're like out and about for the whole world to see. Or like she'll be walking around naked and fucking throwing her cat left and right. Her taco and her are like out for the world. (laughs) That would make sense. And like even when she met Tom Grant, she's like, hey, want to come up to my hotel room where I'm going to be like naked like uh, hey Courtney it really didn't work though because Tom Grant is like (laughs) nope bitch you did it of all people he's like her least biggest fan at this point literally between Dave Grohl and Tom Grant however Dave Grohl and Courtney Love made up sadly they're now mutual civil yeah which probably because Hole was still a relevant band, I guess. And Foo Fighters is a band. So he probably also had to for the sake of, you know, existence. Yeah. Don't worry, Foo Fighters. You're way better than love. Not love like Courtney Love, like lo- like Hole. <laughs> so I'm going to repeat my sources here. Um, Actually, Kylie, do you have more you want to talk about real quick? I, I didn't ask. I'm so sorry. No, I don't think so. I mean, like. What are you thinking? I think she did it. I think we can stay roomies. (laughs) Let's stay friendly. That's good. (laughs) I just think there's too many. Why hide things if you didn't do it? Which, okay, there is a normal amount of like, I want to get rid of some things. I want to keep some things for the memorable. I can understand. I want to fucking get rid of that shotgun. Get that away. That's what killed him. I can't handle that. I can't see that anymore. I can't even think about that. Right. But I can't think of being like, I have to destroy the greenhouse. I want to sell the home. If you I really want to... loved him. Like, if you really actually loved him. Put the him, fucking memorial in the goddamn greenhouse, you cunt. If you loved him, though, you wouldn't want to destroy anything because it could possibly have evidence if you he would was also murdered. want the evidence. Yes. If Courtney loved him that much and also people are like, Callie might have done it. Wouldn't Courtney have tried to been like, fuck, if Callie did it, no fucking way. I need to keep way. all of this. Yes. Like in pristine. Like I would be that 
that stupid person that would just like block everything off and have security and not let anybody go anywhere near it. Because it's not like Courtney it. and Callie are still some item. Callie had a girlfriend's. I mean, I don't know that because Courtney throws her cat around. But <laughs> Callie had a girlfriend that was living in the Cobain home and everything, which also I wonder how what did, happened to that. I was gonna, how did how did she not hear it? okay when i say she lived there that's like by everyone saying she lived there i don't know if she genuinely lived there maybe she was just there all the time i got one of those um but it's just weird that like she didn't even question callie or anything what's callie doing with his life i need to talk with callie callie call me up here's my number call me up Eight six seven five three oh nine. I was gonna do kiss me through the phones number, but it like went out of my brain the moment I said call me. Yeah. Eight six like seven tri- triple nine eight two one two something like that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want him to kiss me through the phone. I got some questions, mother fudger. Hey, this is Carrot Top reminding you: if you're gonna make a collect call, pick up the phone and dial one eight hundred C A L L A T T. I was trying not to curse so that sounded more chill more chill less aggressive it didn't work it didn't work i want to hit him <laughs> with a frying pan over the head <laughs> so do you think i would like your opinion here um do you think callie had anything to do with it yes do you think courtney had anything to do with it even though technically yes. she was in jail at the time in another state when his body was found and the whole time he supposedly was in Seattle, her, she is accounted for, for being in California in this hotel room, known by everyone. She was not in Seattle. I still think she had something to do with it, though. Oh, like, yeah. 100%. But do you think, do, do you have any, do you, do you genuinely not think this could be a suicide at all? No, I genuinely no, I think, don't. Uh, I think it's a murder. I think it's a homicide. Okay. We have a few other like cases that I want to cover that are like, is this murder? Is this a homicide? And like, I really want to know your opinions every time. So like, well, I think that. Because the main the main things are that Callie is a jealous person and Courtney is a jealous person and Courtney, as you say, throws her cat around. And if she had I mean, like she didn't even like know Tom Grant. She was like, "Ooh, hi. But then she knows Callie. She's been with Callie. So obviously she's attracted to him. And so there is something there. Mm -hmm. And then Callie is jealous. How he's even allowed in this home. I don't understand. Also, was Courtney like fucking her drug dealer in this hotel? I really want to. Was that like, are we supposed to drug dealer a woman? Kurt's drug dealer was a woman, but hers was not. I don't think hers was. Okay. Because, like, I wonder, I just wonder. (laughs) I have a lot of wonders. Yeah, because, like, if she was fucking her drug dealer, her drug dealer got a a lot of heroin, and Mm -hmm. that's how it was placed. And again, also that that fucking Kristen Pfaff story. Yeah. That's weird. Why does everyone close to Courtney keep dying? In the same way. In the same way, practically. And it's all people that she has run-ins with and or she threatens and or she's jealous of. And then instantly it's played off as a suicide instantly with no fucking questions asked. Yeah, because she's jealous and she thought that 
Yeah. It was cheating. Mm hmm. Hmm. <laughs> like, people sometimes blame Carlson, like the friend, and they're like, well, he did give him the gun, but he didn't think he was suicidal. Part one. Part two, he really was trying to help find the body and find the gun. And part three, Kurt borrowed guns from him often. And like he offered to keep the gun in his house and stuff. He genuinely thought Kurt was nervous of someone breaking into his home because no one even batted an eye when he's like, hey, I'm also going to get a security place installed. Yeah, it's like a normal thing that people do. Which if Kurt was getting security stuff installed. Wouldn't he not have killed himself in a glass area right where the security is getting installed to beef yeah you know what i mean also why wouldn't he just kill himself like in his room in his home or something Well, he said it well like why wouldn't he just kill himself by overdosing like all of the other suicides would have been yes and like why even get the fucking security system if you're just yeah. going to kill yourself that right. same you don't week. care about your life, obviously. So when was the security system purchased? Was this like a two weeks ago before he even went into rehab and he was waiting on it? Because he could have canceled it. It's Why probably didn't he? like shortly after the break in happened, which was after he got back. Right. No, that was, was right before. before he went to rehab because then he got the gun the oh, day before rehab. Yeah, yeah. Also, so it probably was, you know, there was a wait for it, yeah. you know, but why would why wouldn't you also be like, yeah, don't go around the back of the house, though. I only need the front of the house done. Granted, people would have thought that was sketchy, but. Yeah, you but were, if you're like up to something. Yeah, if you're planning to kill yourself in the back of your home, why would you have someone hired to come to the back of your home that same and literally videotape it? Yeah, like uh, that not. seems off. Yeah, seems like you didn't know you were going to end up dead behind your house. Yes. Three days dead in a greenhouse that smell also ew another thing to think about um people talk about the whole like how sometimes people will uh bowel excrement themselves and that didn't happen during this and stuff Mm -hmm. but it's because of the drugs and stuff like that i didn't know if you were gonna wonder about that i forgot to talk about but well that wasn't on my mind sorry (laughs) we got too many other courtney love issues on our mind so if you guys don't know, Frances is living her best, well, the best life she could at this point. She's dating Riley, which is Tony Hawk's daughter. Son! <laughs> always. I don't know why. I, I always... think it's because we covered Riley Goodrich. Maybe. And so you Riley's just like a female named in my head in this yeah. moment. So um, I almost said my mom is dating Riley. <laughs> Frances Bean is my mom. Uh, France, doing well. Yeah, it's getting <laughs> late, guys. Francis is dating Riley. Francis has a beautiful fucking singing voice. You can find some of her videos online. She also is just beautiful. She rocks the bright hair. She rocks the dark hair. She has those icy blue eyes. Look at a picture of her. You're going to be mesmerized. She's fucking gorgeous. Does she have a good relationship with her mother? She has a relationship with her mother. <laughs> That's the end of that sentence. Okay. <laughs> it seems tumultuous. <laughs> it seems good and bad. Like I feel like it's maybe for appearances really good, but mm-hmm. it doesn't always seem really good. So I feel like maybe like actually behind, behind the doors scenes, it's maybe not as good. Yeah. Okay. And maybe she is just slightly estranged. She hears the stories about how her mom probably like she's in the same documentaries where her mom's like, Yeah, I did uh heroin while I was pregnant with her, but it's fine. You know, things like that. So 
I get it. People love their parents, but she probably at least has some feelings. Or she um, knows the truth. You never know. Well, maybe. Maybe she's oblivious because she doesn't want to know the truth, though. That's another thing. Yeah. Dave Grohl and all Novelesque, like anyone in the band, they all fucking cherish Kurt with every fiber they're being. Anytime there's interviews, anytime anything's brought up, anything, they all only have good things to say. Like, yeah, they're all like, yeah, he was fucking crazy. He did drugs all the time and stuff. But and then they always just it seemed like Kurt really did make the people around him as happy as they made him in a sense. He seemed like just a normal guy. Like He's a normal dude. Like that's just really stupid, but he was a normal guy that yeah. he had mental health issues like a lot of people have. And you know, he was in the limelight at the same time, so they were obviously a lot more prominent and he had the money to have this lifestyle and the sad thing is is that made him an easy target for when his psychotic wife wanted to fucking kill him. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> this is why I'm, you know, not married. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so guys, um, that's what we have to say. I would love to chat with any of you. If you... As the robot said earlier. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you don't believe that Courtney had anything to do with it, that's cool. I will listen 100%. I will be the most polite I can be. I will think you're wrong the whole time, (laughs) (laughs) but I will fucking be polite about listening to your wrong, wrong opinions. (laughs) So the story I am curious, though, like, tell us your opinions for sure. I've uh, I've done a lot of anonymous. We'll we'll do another one. We'll post a fucking. Poll. I (laughs) think you couldn't think of it. (laughs) I was going to say a question. Yes or no thing. (laughs) Like a like a, uh, a joke that ends in you picking an answer, <laughs> a poll. That was I couldn't get there. So on Twitter, you know how you can do like anonymous polls. Mm-hmm. I did an anonymous poll on like the anniversary or something of it last year, and I was like, "Who killed Kurt Cobain? Kurt Cobain or Courtney Love?" Oh, like two people voted for Kurt, and I was like, "Y'all are lucky. This is fucking anonymous. I'd have blocked y'all." fucking so fast <laughs> fucking head asses out of like 25 people two fuckers were like <laughs> so my sources we talked about them last time let's repeat them we had some books who killed kurt cobain by ian halperin the suicide notes to kurt cobain a memoir of sorts 19 on amazon oh i'm, I'm not gonna tell the prices this time i did it last time just in case you guys wanted to look them up just fucking google them you you have the internet Probably. Or maybe you don't. How are you listening to us? How are you listening to us? The journals by Kurt Cobain, the book Love and Death, The Murder of Kurt Cobain by Tom Grant. Documentaries, Montage of Heck. Documentary Soaked in Bleach, the documentary About a Son. There's also another documentary on, mm, I think, Tubi. I don't remember what it's called, but I didn't end up watching it. I looked at it today and I was almost going to. But instead, I rewatched all of Cruel Summer again today for the millionth time. It's fine. I'm doing great. So let's give some closing notes to say uh, to just, you know, like wrap this up and put a bow on it. We want to thank Damon Vakovsky for our always wonderful theme song. We love you. We love <laughs> you. I was going to say the theme song, but we also just love you. You're like, you're so wholesome. 
Uh, artwork always by the amazing Taylor at Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. Taylor is just amazing. That's why we call him the amazing Taylor. It is not because he's a magician. He's only a magician <laughs> with Photoshop. Wait, is it Photoshop that he uses? Uh, Illustrator. Let's, let's say Adobe. Adobe. Because he uses a lot of different things. He's just great. <laughs> Our editing by Corey with core.media.photography on Instagram. You were a little moody today, Corey, but we forgive you. It's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll bother you next week and we'll all be good again. But you, we would like to warn you, you were a little moody tonight. <laughs> Just a little bit. He's on his, he's on his man period. Yeah. His myriad. <laughs> all I have to do is hit delete. They're all a huge part of the cryptic soup fam. So we want to say thank you. Um, also thank you, Adam Araki for existing. Cause we like you. Did you hear my stomach growl? Cause oh. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my stomach it growling. It sounded like it came from behind me. No, it was like. So it really scared me. <laughs> yeah. My stomach growled like three times during this episode. I was real hungry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I just love food. Speaking of food. Oh, good segue. <laughs> Thanks stomach for growling. Don't forget to follow the Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod. We are going to start our final Friday. Technically, by the time this episode airs, we've already done it. Oh, yeah, that's true. We recorded back to back so that Kylie could just hear everything about Kurt. And so yeah. Athena would shut the fuck up about <laughs> Kurt Cobain for one day. But seriously, go go check us out on the Instagram. Um, I mean, if you like food. And true crime and Kylie's in my face and dogs. Dogs. Dogs is dogs is the best. Oh, and Corey. A little bit of Corey. Some of Taylor, too. Some of Taylor. You just never know. You never know And what now you we're going to put a video of Adam playing Guitar Hero. Exactly. And otherwise, you're going to be like, what the fuck does this have to do with true crime? <laughs> this random dude with like a million views on TikTok playing Guitar Hero. You're going to be so goddamn confused. So why not? I don't know. Listen to the episode. You'll get it. Exactly. It's a joke. An it's inside a, joke. joke. You'll now share an inside joke with us. It's Congrats. an Easter egg. Easter eggs all over the place. I love inside jokes. I really hope to be a part of one someday. Michael Scott, The Office. Thank you, everyone. I'll be here all week. <laughs> all right. So don't forget to follow our Instagram where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Slide on in. I just wanted to take it from Kylie. Whatever. <laughs> um, you guys can always leave us an Apple podcast and review and rating and or a Spotify rating. We'll give you guys shout outs and we'll tell you guys how thankful we are. We are pretty active on social medias. We always get back to you guys and try and tell you guys how much we appreciate you. Also, like, thank you for listening. We're almost at 2000 listens. Like we we care about you guys. Do. I don't think you understand this, but we couldn't be doing we wouldn't be doing this without you guys. Yeah, we'd just be having this conversation by we'd ourselves playing Toontown. <laughs> <laughs> but we decided to instead bother all of you guys with our discussions. So, guys, thanks again. Next month uh, is also, well, no, this next month is this month right now that's happening, but it's next month to us, but to you, it's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, what? <laughs> so here's what happened. <laughs> Athena couldn't condense Kurt Cobain, if you remember me talking about this in episode one, <laughs> because this is a two-pada. Two-pada. So this accidentally got rolled over into um, April, and now it's April. It's... March 24th for us, but it's April 5th for you right now. 
So we had a really cool plan for April, like how January we did Athena's favorite thing, Skinwalker. For April, we were going to do all of Kylie's favorite things, which is like medical shit. But um, Athena said, fuck you. We're still talking about Kurt Cobain. It's still my time to shine. That's okay. I like music too. It's fine. <laughs> but with that happening, uh, our May, April, April lineup changed a little bit. So we're going to give you guys some really cool stuff. And our next one is something both Kylie and I are hella passionate about. I might cry. And it's essentially a murder case. It's someone dies. It's accidental, I think. It's an accidental murder, not necessarily from a human. So that makes it seem even weirder. (laughs) It's not a frying pan either. There's your clue. We're really doing a lot of like uh, just weird ones back to back all of a sudden. But then after that, we'll do some some serial killer. Yes. And uh, guys. Stick around because Kylie's hosting it. Yeah, I'm hosting. Sorry if it sucks. Sorry if it's fucking amazing. (laughs) You know, we don't mean to be perfect. It's just natural. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. So guys, remember to subscribe, follow, tune in and keep up with us because we're going to see you for the next episode next Tuesday. You're welcome. Stay tuned. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just like saying it. <laughs>